Hi folks, Zach here. I just wanted to make a quick proclamation. The Star Wars Junk Podcast is exclusively funded, produced, and edited by me, Zach Weber. In recent days, there has been some controversy in the Star Wars podcasting community. Some individuals are insinuating that because of the podcast name, it automatically endorses everything said on the Star Wars Junk Twitter page. That is not true. The Star Wars Junk Podcast is its own entity, and the only times this podcast endorses an idea or a mark is if it is said on here. With that being said, the Star Wars Junk Podcast will be undergoing some changes. The name will be changing, and Darren will no longer be a co-host. We all wish him the best going forward. Look forward to these changes in the coming weeks. Now, on with the show. The Empire has been repulsed, but this one defeat will increase its determination to crush the Rebellion once and for all. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Star Wars Junk Podcast, your home for all your Star Wars junk needs. Tonight, we're talking the rumor, definitely not an announcement, of the Obi-Wan spin-off film. Check out our sponsor, SkywardFunSupply.com, from Funko Pops, the three and three quarter inch figures, and all the way to six inch black series. SkywardFunSupply.com, your home for all your Star Wars toy needs. My name is Zach Weber. Tonight, I'm joined by Mark. Hello. And the former welfare queen, the Ewoks are cool guy, the Attack of the Clones apologist, and Mr. Star Wars junk, Darren. Accused. Of welfare queen. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not admitting anything. I'm saying I was accused. Join us as we discuss these topics. I don't even know what to call it. It's a, it's a rumor at this point. It's kind of it's the most obvious rumor. Uh, for those of you who don't know, is a story from the Hollywood Reporter titled "Star Wars Obi Wan Kenobi Film in the Works" by Boris Kitt. It basically goes on to state that Stephen Daldry, who is a director filmmaker, is in early talks to helm the picture other than that there's really nothing else ewan mcgregor has not signed on just because uh, nothing usually you need a filmmaker on before the actor that's typically how things work even though that's not always the case uh there's there's some stuff interesting here in the sense of they are going ahead with an obi-wan film i've always said that there wasn't going to be one of those until once they kind of locked down what they're doing with the sequel trilogy and i imagine the earliest we'd be getting this is probably God, five years from now? No, so, 2020? I don't know. They haven't done that quickly. But didn't, they, didn't um, Kathleen Kennedy said that we will hear about a third uh, standalone film by the end of this summer? She, she said, said that, middle of right summer. Uh, she said middle. She said she hopes. Because I went back because people was all saying, you know, it's uh, T23 when it didn't come out. She said she hopes to be able to say something by the mid- midsummer. So. Apparently the hopes didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's still not too late for summer in general, you know. Well, my yeah. understanding of that was... We're still in the ballpark. <laughs> well, my understanding was they decide what standalone project they were going with, not that they announce it. Right. Yeah, It was like yeah, more of an internal thing than like an announcement. I still think after the Han Solo thing, after Han Solo and the trouble with Rogue One, I think... I think they took some time, and I think they're kind of, you know, put brakes on everything, kind of readjusted who they're going to get and reassigned everything, or made a, at least looked at it closer. Mm. Well, with that, with that being said, like I, I know Dar- Darren tweeted earlier tonight, y'all can't say that you didn't want the Obi Wan Kenobi movie because I'm pretty sure 99 percent of you have tweeted to me saying I want this movie at some point. Yeah, I don't want to hear anyone say who asked for a Obi Wan Kenobi movie because 
everybody has asked for, nobody wants to know it. I was going to say, um, well, the fact that um, the Hollywood Reporter put this article out uh, makes me think that this is now in the realm, you know, from speculation to strong likelihood. The Hollywood Reporter is a uh, reputable source when it comes to, you know, film industry. So, yeah, this looking like it's happening. I'm going to have to put it at a 95% chance that it's happening. Yeah, the Hollywood Reporter, I mean, they're not going to be like... Oh, well, I don't want to call anybody out, but you know, they're not just going to say something. They, they've got pretty good source that this is happening. Now, everything might not be signed on the dotted line, so things can change, but I would be very surprised if uh, it doesn't come true. Well, I'm more amazed. Like, I, I think this is very telling of, like, like I said, I don't, I don't want to be that person though, but I'm more, I, I, I feel an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, which even though it's probably one of the more obvious uh spin-off films but like i hate that we're getting a spin-off movie that's devoted to one character you know i know it's gonna be it's gonna be broader than that like it's like i i want something new it's like enough harping on the existing characters i i get i get it like ewan mcgregor you gotta get him while he's still a relatively young guy he's what in his, in his, he's gotta be what in his 40s by now right oh yeah i would say middle 40s yes yeah, so they want to get him before he becomes like robert downey jr johnny depp where he starts getting to his his 50s and he loses some of his his sex appeal but it's just like, and this is going to become a running theme with me. This is going to be almost as bad as like how I complain about The Force Awakens. No, it's no. Gonna be, oh, well, it's going to get there. So I really want a movie based on Inferno Squad or something with, I want something more with Inferno Squad because I feel that's like the perfect vessel to do new Star Wars things. Like you can still be in that original trilogy time period, but it lets you explore, explore things that we haven't already Explore. Like, you don't need Jedi. You don't need a lightsaber. And I think I, I don't know. It's just this weird idea of just doing another spinoff film devoted to one character. Like whereas like Rogue One, like, like if they said like, oh, we're doing the Force Awakens, then we're immediately going into a Han Solo movie. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, like there's a pattern with that though. It's the fact that like Rogue One like now just seems like this weird sort of outlier, and that they did like a brand new story with brand new characters for the most part, except for a couple supporting characters that we were familiar with. Like, I don't know though. Like, it's like, I'll be there. Like I'm more excited for this than I am for Han Solo. Like, I, I really, the more and more I think about Han Solo, I think that was a really poor idea. It just, again, that's its own issue, but no, I guess I'm excited for this. I don't think I'm not that excited. I'm excited to see Hugh and McGregor as Hans, as Hansel, as a, uh, Obi-Wan that'd again. That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. I, wouldn't mind, I can't wait to see him, what he does with an older Obi-Wan. I think I'll get more excited when I know who the story is. Because I don't want the story to be about the Empire. I don't want him helping the Rebels. I don't want him. I want him maybe some local trouble or something that's unrelated to the Star Wars story that we know. So something completely different while he's in hiding. But I what, doubt I'll get that. What do you think, Mark? Are you excited for this? Yeah, I, I'm excited. I mean... I don't know what the story will be if you know if all goes according to plan, but I'm I'm cool with it. You know, um, we'll see how it goes. You know, I know you said that it'd be more interesting that they move on and do you know cover some new eras and new you know one of the newer characters, but I don't know. I guess it just seems what the story. I guess it's all about what the story will be. So yeah, well, Disney's gonna play it safe, I think, with these character movies at least to start with. But they're gonna run out of these character movies pretty fast because. 
they only can really do a couple of main ones because you don't want to see, you know, a size noodles spinoff movie. Oh, snap. Can't start getting that crazy with it. But that's what I mean, though. It's like you don't, like, for some reason, like, anytime someone talks about, like, what, like, what they want to see is, like, their own Star Wars movie, they always, like, go back to Obi-Wan or Boba Fett or this. And it's like, considering the, uh, I don't think The Force Awakens was nearly as divisive as The Force, not um, sorry, Rogue One was nowhere near as divisive as The Force Awakens is, in the sense of in the Star Wars community, not the population at large. But it's it's just that you'd think new characters, they kind of just expanding it instead of, oh, taking something that we already kind of have a vague idea of. Like, obviously, Obi-Wan's on Tatooine for the most part. And it's and I, like, I don't know though. Like, that's one thing I back during the uh, I guess this was back during the EU days. I used to read. Oh God, what was it called? It was it was like like middle school era or like or not not era middle school age like books. Like you probably you probably remember. Oh the yeah like, the, Scholastica. the young Scholastica. Yeah yeah, like, yeah it was like those like I don't know maybe like I like, like a young reader. Yeah, they're like 120 pages, like if that. It was just kind of like fodder for like when you're like in elementary school going into middle school. And they had a series, I think, called The Last Jedi or something like that. And the first, it was like a book series of about six. And the first chapter was Obi Wan leaves Tatooine for some reason because someone, like, the, like somebody comes to him. It might be Bail or Gone. No, it's not. I don't remember. It's been like a decade since I've read uh, read them. But somebody comes to Obi Wan. It's like, oh, Obi Wan. We need you for like like a, a rebel alliance, like except it's not in all capital letters. It's like it, it's lowercase rebel alliance, and he's like, oh, like I think I know someone who can help you. And he finds like this, like and it's really weird. It's kind of like Kanan from Rebels, where it's like this uh, Jedi named Ferris Olin. I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, and he's like this, like I, I don't want to say washed up, but, like he's like a Jedi never went through like complete of his training, and he finds like a Padawan. Like it, now I think about it, it's really close to Rebels, if not. I think they borrowed quite liberally from that book series, but no, like Obi Wan's involved in the first series or the first um, book of that series. And then he has really nothing to do with it. He's mentioned now and then, but he has really no role in it. And I think, like, I don't know though. I, I, it's just like you, you think of that. Like, there's this one statue you guys probably see it's from like Sideshow Collectibles. And it's called the Obi Wan Mythos statue, and it's um, it's that. And like everyone, like, and someone made a joke today. I forget who it was on Twitter saying. Someone, someone tried pitching this movie to Lucasfilm, probably walked in, put that figure on the table and said, a movie around this. And yeah, like, like that is a provocative image. You have this war-weary, beaten-down Obi-Wan, and all he has is the pack on his back, and that's it. He has nothing else. There's Everything he's believed in has been destroyed. And, and like I said, that that's interesting in a nutshell. It's kind of like the it's kind of like the Purge movies. It's like, oh, it's a really interesting premise. Like, oh, what would happen if for twelve hours, one day a year, all crime was legal? It's like, all right, then you watch the first Purge movie, and it's a god awful movie. So it's like it, it all depends on how they execute it. Which at this point. Who knows? It's just I don't know. There's promise there, but I think there's a lot more potential to screw it up and hit it out of the park. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: What do you think the best time period? Now I know it's going to be between the prequels. We know that. I mean, between yes. the prequel and the original trilogy. But do we take it a few years after the prequel, or you want to get it closer to a new hope? Yeah. Because uh, I mean, I can see a good story right there where he's just learning to deal, learning life. Dealing with the fact that all his friends, all his Jedi, everything he knows is gone. That whole life has changed. 
but he might be a little older to play that now. It have to, it would have to be. They seem to be. I don't think it would be close to. Um, oh my lord! I, I I don't know really. It depends on the problem with this. Like trying to decide what Lucasfilm is trying to do or try to like read the tea leaves is that Force Awakens was really heavy on nostalgia, and so was Rogue One. So, I don't know. Like, the big joke, like, everyone keeps, like, joking with the Han Solo movie after Rogue One. It's like, oh, the Han Solo movie's going to end with Han and Chewie walking into the bar on, on, on Mo- in Mos Eisley. And everyone yeah. goes, oh, no, there's no way no. they can do that. <laughs> no, I don't think they're going to do that. Well, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I get was saying that rumor. <laughs> well, I, well, that's not even a rumor. It's, it's conjecture. Uh, Speculation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But it's just the whole idea of like, oh, everyone keeps joking after how Rogue One literally ends five minutes before A New Hope. What makes you think that with the Obi-Wan film, and considering how far technology has advanced, they don't do something with Ewan McGregor where they make – they do some sort of blend where it's like an Alec Guinness-him hybrid or even like a 25% him, 75% Alec Guinness, and they literally have the movie end with Obi-Wan – Walk I, I, forever. He senses a disturbance in the force, and he and you see him go out. And the, one of the last shots of the movie is him making the crate dragon sound. It's like, and that, and the sad thing is that that's all it would take is one moment like that, or that to be the ending of the film, and the fan base would just melt all over it. I, I like, like, and that's what I mean. Though, like, I know I'm really cynical about this. Like, what was I doing, Darren? Where you were making fun of me? Um, oh, with oh, the last Jedi, times. where I was saying with the X-wing coming out of the oh, waters right. on Octo and the music yeah. swelling, it's like it's hard. Even though I love the Princess Leia thing at the end of Rogue One, it's the problem is that Disney is a corporation, and I know everyone says no, Lucasfilm has no Disney has no say in what Lucasfilm does, which is not true. But <laughs> it's, it's it's true. There's people like and there are people out there that think Lucasfilm is completely devoid of Disney. It's like folks. They have, like oh, I said, God. it's a two hundred million dollar budget. They, they have to be held responsible for that. But um, no, and it's just the whole idea of Disney trades and nostalgia. The entire company for the last God, how many years? Like think about it, every single live action movie now, outside of uh, every here and then with a, a weird one they do. Everything trades in nostalgia. So why not? And that's why I mean, you know, the fan base loves it. So it's kind of like, imagine if you love Brussels sprouts, and at the same time, all your parents have for you is Brussels sprouts to feed you. It's like, well, if you like it, it's not exactly bad for you at the end of the day, or at least in the short term. It's like, why not do it? And, and I think that's my concern with this, with the timelines. And they could jump around the timeline. Yeah, Who I mean, knows? I think the, the Han, from what I've heard, is going to jump around. It's going to start kind of like Rogue One did, where it's going to be oh. a very young Han. Oh. Oh, 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 not to get off topic, but I have to do this real quick. Okay. Um, I was I, I got Rebel season one on Blu-ray this week, and I was um, watching the first episode. And I know Darren, you haven't watched. I know Rebels. I need to watch them. I know. Well, you might want to watch mm-hmm. the first episode because I think it's really important to what's going to go on in the Han Solo film. Mark, okay. you've seen Rebels, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, the first episode. I have not watched the first episode since it aired like three years ago. The first episode involves them, and get ready for this. They have to go to the Kessel Mines in order to save Wookiees that are being enslaved there. Uh, and that's canon. That's that's ironclad canon. And a big point is made there saying we have to we have to rescue the Wookiees that are being sent there. They're used as slave labor on the mines of Kessel. And it's like, well, 
there's the plot of the Han, or at least that's going to be a component of the Han Solo film. Chewbacca is going to be on the Kessel mines, or be on the mines of Kessel. And there, and obviously, if you have that, there's going to be the Kessel runs going to be involved somehow. So I think, oh, yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll, have, they'll be involved. No yep. Yeah, so it's going. So it's you know, I know everybody's really cynical about this, but I'm pretty sure everything we know about Han Solo's backstory is going to be wrapped up in this one movie. Everything oh, that we have, the slight they they're going to explain everything about. I Han know. Solo in this movie. I, know. I see. I have not. I've been a supporter. I'm of the Han, I've, I've been a supporter of the Han Solo movie since day one. I haven't been one of these. We don't need Han Solo or. One of these who asked for Han Solo. I've been a supporter. Oh, I don't want to see a storyline of every little thing he did. I don't care how he got the Falcon. I don't care about. Oh, you're the definitely run. getting that. Yeah, I know. I don't care about the castle. That's kind of you seen uh the Last Crusade. Of course. Yeah, Indiana Jones gets what his hat, his scarf, <laughs> his whip. He gets everything in the first five minutes of the movie. <laughs> and they're like, come on, how can you get it all at one time? And I don't want to see that with the Han Solo. I don't want to see him make a castle run, and then he gets the Falcon right after that, and then he gets the dice that hangs in the Falcon. And then don't laugh. Little, I know. And every oh, they, they hinted to, they're going to show how Chewie and yeah. Han formed their friendship. Yeah, they're going to explain story. everything. I don't want an origin story. I just want a Han Solo story. And I think that's part of the problem. I think. After what happened with Rogue One, they probably had a rough cut of the film. Or at least, I, I, I mean rough as in like the definition of rough. They probably had everything at least pieced together for the most part in the sense of seeing how the film is going to go. And they probably looked at it. And, they, and they, again, it's the same thing that happened with Rogue One. They showed it to the, um, oh God, what's his name? Alan Horn. Alan Horn, who's the head of the the um, film studio or the all the branches of the film divisions at, at Disney and he probably looked at it and, and probably said something like are you really going to sit there have everything in this movie are you really doing this and whatever happened with with Lord Miller there was obviously friction there and and things just fell apart and I think they said instead of doing a Gareth Edwards and literally reshooting the entire third of like god at least and everybody argues over what percentage of rogue one was reshot but it seems to be 40 percent the number that always shows up in different trade articles not just fan speculation and stuff but it's 40 percent and i think that's what it is though i think that's why you keep seeing ron howard tweeting things out because he's probably reshooting a nice portion of the film I, yeah I, I could be wrong but i think i think ron howard has to Direct a certain percentage, like over 60, 70. I don't remember what it is top of my head. So Lauren Miller's name don't appear on the film. So I think I've heard that's what that going to do. I've heard that. That's even if, I don't know. I think they have to. It depends I on what sort to. of deal they make with Lauren Miller. Yeah, and I think they want their name off. I think Disney wants their name off of it. Well, yeah. You know how yeah. bad that would look having having that? On, I would imagine. Three directors' names. Well, yeah, it's because they don't want anyone remembering the controversy with this because this looks bad for everybody. I would imagine what's going to happen with that is is that they're going to make some sort of deal with Lord and Miller, say we'll pay you this amount of money right. or we'll give you a screenwriting credit, and, but we have to take your name off, and they'll come but, to a deal. But from Laura Miller's side too, they might be like, "Hey, I didn't make this movie. This ain't my vision of Han Solo. I don't want my name on it." Yeah, but they have a lot more leverage. They'll have a lot more leverage trying to fight their way. Oh yeah, I mean they might not say that out loud. But they, oh no, I mean at the end of the day, they probably they, they probably pro want nothing they, to do with this. Yeah, say so they might not want you know over money, or they just not don't want to be a part of it. Maybe. 
I can't imagine they're happy they got thrown off this the way they did. No, I would. I would. Let's get them on the show, can we? Yeah. All right, we'll reach out to Lord Miller next. Anyone have their agent on hand? We'll give him a call right now. I'll tweet them later. There we go. And I'll, I'll tell them. I'll tell them it'll be off the record. No, like it's like like contact Lord Miller. It's like, hey, Lord Miller, we run this third-rate podcast. Can we sit to have you come on and talk to us about why you got canned? We'll tell your side of the story. Well, it'd be great. It's like, oh, sure, why not? No one else. <laughs> That'd be really fun. Like they pick such a weird outlet like us, where like they know we won't like. Oh god! Like, like like normal media try to sit there like like create our own narrative. We're just like we'll just, we'll be happy there for the ride. We'll just be quiet the entire time. Yeah, we don't know how Hollywood industry works, so we won't ask any detailed questions. We'll just let them spew anything out they want to. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be fine. I think, I think that that's gonna be one of our next projects. What do we? What do you know about this director? Uh, Obi Wan. Stephen Daldry. I don't know. I I'll, I know Billy I'm, Elliot is all I've heard of. Oh yeah, I've heard Billy Elliot. Um, Never seen it. <laughs> Stephen Daldry, I knew, I, I did not know the name off, off the top of my head. I had to go through his um, filmography to get an idea. The, like I said, some of his, like The Reader, like he, his most notable films are Billy Elliot, The Hours, uh, The Reader, Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, which is, God, that is a horrible film. Uh, it's just middle of the road vanilla. You can't get any more tapioca than that. <laughs> uh, so, no, it's. Uh, I'd say he's a, for lack of a better term, he's a poor man's Ron Howard. I, I think, I, I think I that's thought Ron really Howard was a poor man, Steven Spielberg. Well, <laughs> no, there's an argument for that. Lately, you can make lately. an argument for that. <laughs> well, I, I like Ron Howard. I mean, be, well, it's uh, worth, but it's worth noting though, is that this guy, Stephen Daldry was also in the running to direct the live action or the adaptation of Wicked, the Broadway play. So, and I think that's that's the most interesting thing. So you have again, Wicked's gonna be huge. Like that, that's gonna be one of those movies that when that gets released, that's just gonna be a a, a juggernaut that's called get out, get out of its way, or else you're gonna get steamrolled. But no, I think that's interesting that they, that they do they're throwing his name in there. He's not he, like in all honesty, you gave you gave me a list of a hundred filmmakers and said who do you think would be you call it in, in, on the short list. He wouldn't be anywhere near it, uh, just because he he really is not anything involved with this sort of film. Like, he's mostly dramas or things or or musicals or things like that. He's again, he, this isn't his world. I'm but calling same, it. I'm calling it Obi Wan musical. That's what we're getting. Well, I'd be fully on board with that. I'd be buying. I'm running down to the movie theater right now, so he's speaking buying my tickets. <sighs> I, that'd be interesting, I, but it's—I don't know though. Like extreme, like his last film was extremely loud, incredibly close. It was a not very—I I don't think it was a well-reviewed film. I, yeah, I remember I've it heard of it. I don't remember much about it. I don't. Well, it's the movie about it's the nine eleven. Tom Tom Hanks dies at nine eleven film. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't remember any of the reviews. I don't know that one. It has a forty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so yeah, not good. Okay. Uh-huh. This is this is this is what Rotten Tomatoes says: extremely loud, incredibly close, has a story worth telling, but it deserves better than the. Oh my! I don't even pronounce that word. Jesus, geez, I don't even pronounce that. And pretentious treatment director Stephen Daldry gives it. So I don't know. He was nominated for it. Was not. Oh yeah, that was a. Oh yeah, I got nominated for best picture, and a lot of people got mad over that. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, he got nominated for Best Picture, and a lot of people got annoyed. Uh, you said he was doing Wicked. Okay. I didn't say. I said he, he was in the running for Wicked. Well, he's on the directors on IMDb, but I thought you meant Wicked, the old Ron Howard movie. No. Yeah. Okay. You mean Willow? 
Willow. Willow. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what no, I was like. Not what, a Willow play? No, <laughs> yeah. no Willow. Wicked. Oh, Wicked's oh, the Ewok. Okay. I, you can see how no, I go. Oh, no. not Wicked. Wicked. Okay. okay oh, God, there's going to be so many but in this episode. <laughs> I was just wondering how they were going to do a Willow play. That's like, what? Okay. That makes more sense a Wicked play. There we go. But uh, yeah, he, he seems like an odd choice. And at first, I was like, good. They got a seasoned director until I went and looked and I was like, okay, maybe he hadn't done as much as I thought he has. <laughs> I mean, he's been around, but he hasn't. He's done one, two, three. He's done like five, five films. Five. Yeah, but I was thinking more seasons like Ron Howard or uh, that's been around. But he is. Trust my, me. I'm glad he's more seasoned than what they got. I mean, Garrett Edward, what he did, two? He did got. Well, the problem with. I, I think Lucasfilm is. I think that this is what I was going to get into na- next was going to be. I think Lucasfilm has learned its lesson yeah, from hiring right. young filmmakers. And micromanaging them at every turn. Like I, I again, like I said, nobody knows what's going on between Ryan Johnson and Lucasfilm. Like there are people that just work well with studio notes. Like like one of my favorite examples is James Gunn in with Guardians of the Galaxy. James Gunn has done a lot of weird movies. Like, like before Guardians of the Galaxy, he was a I don't want to say fringe filmmaker, but he was not in the mainstream. But then he got brought into Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone was like, wow, like this, this is a creative choice, especially for the um, property. And what people didn't realize what James Gunn was, James Gunn back in like the early 2000s was actually, um, he did a lot of like relay between like, I think, I don't know if he was a, uh, a PA, but like for uh, you guys remember the Scooby-Doo movie, the live action one with Freddie I, Prince Jr.? I'm trying to forget it. I'm, I'm still taking that movie's That movie's cute for what I, I you, hate- that movie. I hate the cartoon Scooby-Doo, so I don't like the movie either. Oh, okay. So I've always it. hated Scooby-Doo. Scooby-Dooby-Doo, where are you? Uh, Scooby-Doo. You catch some ghosts now. Mm. Uh, but no, but I forget. I'm going to look it up right now, though. But, but um, uh, what's his name? James Gunn was, was I, th- I think I said, I think he, oh, he was a screen, he was a screenwriter on it. And so what it was, he had to deal with a lot of times with the studio coming and giving him notes and things like that. He, and there's just people that just know how to work with that sort of environment, while there are other ones that just don't. Like, like it's the same thing. Look what happened with Edgar Wright with Ant-Man with Marvel. You have somebody that works on the project for six, seven, eight years, and it collapses pretty much five minutes before it's about to go get out the gate. And then you have James Gunn, who I would imagine has almost the same artistic vision going into a project that Edgar Wright has. Where it's just the idea where one just is able to click and the other isn't. One just has a different state of mind. For the same reason why you have a Ryan Johnson and Gareth Edwards, both relatively young filmmakers. I do think Ryan Johnson has more experience than Gareth Edwards. But still, both young guys, they are not household names. They are not concrete in their track record. And so you have it, though. But again, it it depends. Some of them just know how to do it. You know, um... I was thinking about this earlier today, you know, the, with the whole situation that happened with Lord and Miller, and how you know they um, their vision clashed with you know Lucasfilm's vision, and it got me thinking that you know they got to make it clear. I, I there's a little I know it's a little you know tangent, but you know they got to make it clear to the the directors they hire on that yes you could put your stamp on it but we are also wanting we also have a vision how these star wars films should go whether it's regular or the spin-off so we will let you know if something is 
needs to change or, you know, or we want something done a certain way. Uh, they got to make that clear. So in bringing in these direct, this director for um, the Obi-Wan film, that's what they have to do as well. So, because um, I, um, you know, I hate to see another situation like this happen. And, you know, it, it, it's not good press. It's not good PR. And it, you know, kind of shows that, it, 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 you know, I don't think, I'm, I'm not saying that, um, you know, she, Kathleen Kennedy is a bad leader, but it gives certain optics that, you know, there's something going on in the way that she's doing leadership. Uh, you know, at least from a, you know, a, a perception viewpoint, not that, you know, not that she she's actually lacking leadership. No, just it's all about perception. Like I said earlier, I am excited about this. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, it goes through and, no, something doesn't happen on the eleventh hour, and then we don't get end up getting this. I don't think unless Stephen Daldry really wants to do this, because there's also if you look at his track record, he's not somebody who's ever worked with a franchise picture before, and there is a level of control that again, the whole point of becoming a filmmaker is not to sit there have the studio up your rear end telling you what to do every step of the way. I, I, I know, Mark, like how you kind of described it was, oh, you got the filmmakers have to be told that they have to agree to Lucasfilm's vision. I think that happens. What happens is halfway through production, Lucasfilm says, we've ch- not, again, not just Lucasfilm, but a lot of these films that have these issues, halfway through, they say, no, 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 we don't want that. We want something else instead. And the filmmaker goes, well, again, it's like the analogy I keep giving, it's the, it's the chocolate pretzel conundrum. It's like, oh, I really like chocolate. What goes good with chocolate? Pretzels. Uh, what goes good with pretzels? Uh, beer. What goes good with beer? A hamburger. What goes good with hamburger? French fries. And you eventually put it all into a blender and it tastes like garbage. Just because one thing complements the other in the short run doesn't mean over the entire long, the, the whole thing, it makes sense. Again, not to bring up Suicide Squad, but that's what happened. You shoot a film that's supposed to be this dark, gritty, like before this first Suicide Squad trailer, the rumors going around were that film had more tonally in common with the movie Seven, David Fincher's Seven, than it did with any other like film people could think of, or those who at least had early access to it. Then that first trailer came out with Bohemian Rhapsody, and that trailer just lit up the entire internet. And the studio said, ah, and said, all at once, every executive pulled their hair out and said, we need a movie that reflects this. The problem is that it, it didn't at all. So they go back, reshoot again as much as they can, and you get a film that's more or less inconsistent. And, and, and for lack of a better film, is or I'm sorry, for lack of a better word, it's just kind of garbagey. So <laughs> and like I, said, I, I enjoyed Suicide Squad. I saw it once. I paid ten dollars to see it. I got my money's worth out of it. I was thoroughly entertained for two hours. Have I seen better? Of course. Have I seen worse? You betcha. But I think that's what a lot of it is, too, is that you do have a lot of meddling on the side of the studio. And that's why I think someone like Stephen Daldry is going to sit there and look at this and say, I don't know, if if he's between this and Wicked, I think both films are going to have a lot of micromanagement by the studio. It depends. It's a pick your poison. Does he want to go the franchise route or does he want to go the... Where Wicked, I, I would imagine there's going to be a sequel to Wicked. I imagine Wicked's going to make a ton of money where there's going to be a sequel. So that they'll be much more inclined to be more jobs later down the road for him if he so chooses. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really know that much about him, so it's hard to comment. I wish I kind of seen some of these other movies he's done. You still got to see the Book of Henry, Darren. I don't know. It looks interesting. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> you might be the first person to say that. It looks interesting. Well, if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, the audience likes it. It's the critics that didn't like it. That's what's... Uh-huh. I wonder how much it. of that is angry Star Wars fans that are trying to circle the wagons. All right. <laughs> I would still, not be surprised. I still don't see the hate for him. But he's another one, too. What's, what's the guy's name just directing? Nine? Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, okay. Horrible names, but... What's he done? Like two movies, Jurassic Park, and then some uh, little small movie. Yep. Safety not guaranteed. Yeah, I, see, I don't know why they give such a big movies to these people that don't seem like they earned it. But. Because, it, like I said, it gives them artistic <laughs> niche. It makes them look hip and trendy. But then they go. These guys don't know how to handle movies of this caliber, and they go in and micromanage it. Or at the same time, like you're not, you're never going to see a David Fincher or a Quentin Tarantino. Well, forget it. Let's, let's pretend for a split second that Tarantino was a team player. Let's just pretend for a second that he would even just consider this. But it's like you're never going to get a, a high-caliber filmmaker no, here no. because they're not going to put up with they, they know what it would be like to get involved with that. Yeah, but I don't, mean, I don't mean that high, but I mean, I think you'd get some... Well, I think J.J. Abrams was a good choice, even if you like the movie He didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do no, it. No, no, he didn't want to do it. But I mean, I think he had enough. He knew what he was doing. I, I, think, I think another. Like John Favreau would be a good one. Somebody, you know, I think he could play with the Hollywood system. Oh, yeah. The other reason, um, I, this is what I think, it has to do something with, uh, you know, money. Um, you know, they get, you get someone that's like an up and coming uh, director, someone that ha- doesn't have a pedigree like, St- like Spielberg, and, you know, they know they don't have to pay him that a whole lot. Um, and you know they make more money, like just like that. Like, uh. Yeah, but Star Wars is gonna make so much money. That, that's that. I don't think budgets are an issue with these. Like with like with these Most sort probably. of movies, like whether it be Marvel, maybe even less Marvel. I think it's just like I think I still think Star Wars it's in its own league. Nah, I mean, I don't think money's an issue with a lot of these filmmakers. I, I, I guess you, you may you may think not, but you know that they uh, with uh, John Boyega and. Um, Daisy really, they didn't pay him that much, you know, for the because there were nobodies, right? But you can say this, you can make the same argument with the directors, and um, you know, and you know, Disney's a company; they they want to maximize their profits. I mean, this is just my my this is just my opinion. I don't know, but but anyway, Zach, what were you gonna say? Oh no, I know I agree with that to to a degree. In that like yeah, but like, I, with directors, you ne- you always hear about like oh Jennifer Lawrence got paid twenty six million dollars for passengers. You never ever hear like oh Steven Spielberg was paid this amount of money for that. Usually, what happens is that the directors, most directors, have their own production company, and that's how they make their. I guess they get a salary for directing, but the like the majority of their money they get points on the film. So they'll get like three points, which is like three percent of the the gross revenue, and that's how they'll make their money because they have their their production company gets the at the end of the day the largest cut of money. Right. I, I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to like Darren made a good example of John Favreau, and I think John Favreau will probably direct the Star Wars. Film. I, if you had you can put it, you can put it in the bank, I think he's making Disney too much money. In, like so between the Jungle Book. And now that Lion King movie, which I think is just—it's a license to print money. Right, and he's a huge Star Wars fan, so I think they like to go for the fans. I think it makes. Well, he's already—he already in the Star Wars universe. I—he I, was no, uh, right. pre-Vizsla. He was pre-Vizsla, so he's already—he's in that universe uh, as as someone who's interacted with Lucasfilm. 
No, I, I think that's coming. It depends. The thing about it, though is that his talents are maximized elsewhere. Yeah, and I think and I think that's what it is. But like, but I think but like, I'm not sure how close you guys were following the rumors of directors from The Force Awakens back during uh, 2013. Mid, I guess it was. Mm. God, I think it was late two. No, yeah, it had to be 2013 ish. I don't know. It was 2012, 2013. Yeah, and so I remember the rumors. Like I think they did. Like one of the biggest rumors was Matthew Vaughn, who did Kick Ass, Kingsman. Uh, he's right. like, uh, I forget. He's done a couple other things. And I heard that he got as far. Like, he got as far as he was doing stuff pre-production on the film, until he was doing things, and Lucasfilm told him no. And he eventually said, "I'm not doing." He said, "I, I can't work like this," and that's why he walked away from. Uh, uh, Days of Future Past, the X-Men film, was that he was going to do Episode 7. And they always wanted J.J. Abrams because they felt like he was safe, he had niche, uh, he was well within the Spielberg safety... Or, well, if anybody's seen the Meet the Parents films, was it the Circle of Trust? He, he was yeah. firmly within the Circle of Trust. And that's what it was. Like He was a safe choice. He, like, it was that joke was that he was on the top of their list. He was like the first or second person they asked. Everybody on their list then told them no. And they eventually circled back to him and said, okay, we're not kidding. We really want you. It's yeah, kind of like... Was, I think it was Spielberg told Kathleen Kennedy that you've got to do it. If you're going to do it, you've got to do You've got to get J.J. Abrams. And I think that's why they went back to it. Yeah. And plus, J.J. Yeah. Kissed the Rings was super eight. Yeah, and... and I guess Kathleen Kennedy threw some money out there. <laughs> well, I think I mean, Aubrey oh, yeah. couldn't refuse. Well, yeah, and plus it's the whole idea of, like, I think about your Lucasfilm, and this is one of those, like, imagine you are Kathleen Kennedy, and you are pitching somebody on directing Star Wars Episode Seven. It's kind of like, that. that's up there with directing Gone with the Wind 2, or, or it's kind of like Casablanca too. It's one of those things where it's like even the, this pretend you can get Clark Gable and, and Humphrey Bogart back. That's just assuming that. It's it's one of those things where it's it's uh, again cultural juggernaut. It's just the whole idea of you get to create the next chapter in the story, and even more weighty than that is that you set the template. By being the first one, that's what concerns me so much with The Force Awakens, is that you set the the template, the precedent going forward to how the all these movies now are going to look, sound, and feel. And, yeah, that's a lot of pressure. And that's what I mean. I, by, like Mark said, they probably sat there, wrote J.J., uh, probably wrote him a check that he couldn't say no. And at the same time, they probably gave him a certain level of creative control. Where I knew they were constantly fighting with him because they really wanted this film out by May of 2015. And he had to kind of fight them tooth and nail to say, no, I want until December. Or at least I want the time that would allow me by pushing it to December. Right. And just for the record, according to J.J. Abrams, it wasn't money that changed his mind. Kathleen Kennedy asked him, what happened to Luke Skywalker? And he said he couldn't get that out of his head. And he was intrigued by that question. No. I bet that well, I, 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 as much as everything kind of surrounding, I think the problem with J.J. Abrams is that everything around him, I feel, is so staged. Everything is just <laughs> oh, no. so I, I yeah. synthetic I, and just meticulous, meticulously crafted. That nerd that, act, you're not buying it. No, no, I, I believe he likes. I know. I don't think he's like a Chris Hardwork where where it's a complete just farce. Farce. Uh, and it's, a, it's it's a facade. <laughs> just you're not garbage. a Chris Hardwick fan. 
Chris Har- the problem with Chris Harwick, like I knew Chris Harwick before anybody really did. Like I remember him oh, he was in Termi- No, Terminator Three. He was in no, I didn't even know that. Yeah, he was in Terminator Three. Who and was then, he? Yeah, he I just was uh that. Oh, he was um Catherine Brewster's father's assistant. He kind of follows him around like in the, the Skynet or the 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 cyber it's like the government building like underground bunker thing he follows huh, like the I guy. didn't even know that you wouldn't know he's he's really overweight and you wouldn't or well, overweight to what he is now and you wouldn't really like recognize him and then back in like the late two thousands he was on Web Soup on G four and I huh. watched him on that all the time because I loved the the original Soup with Joe McHale so I used to watch Web Soup every week and that's how I knew him and then like and then he got into this like whole thing with like AMC and he did like he does like every single anytime there's like a panel in Hollywood he has to be the moderator of it. And the problem uh-huh. is that no matter yeah. what the panel is, he always ends up either making it about himself or has to say, "Oh, I'm the biggest fan of this property because of X." Like, "Hey guys, I'm doing the the 30th panel on Back to the Future. Look, I'm wearing a Marty McFly jacket. Yeah, I, I'm one of you." In the, in every single time he tried, it, it's so much overcompensation. Yeah. And it drives me nuts. Man, I, sorry to ask. Oh, no. I thought about this. No, I'm just <laughs> I remember when he was on an MTV show that singled out like 95. Oh, and wow. And he was always kind of. But, uh, and he's then if there's forever. if there's a TV show on a- AMC, he's going to talk about it after. That's why. That's why. He got a little carried away with it. Yeah. <laughs> The Walking Dead talking when I can watch it, but then they started talking about every show that came on. But man, I pulled up his pitch for Terminator Three. Looks like John Ritter. I wouldn't even. I didn't even recognize <laughs> that was him. I told you you wouldn't recognize it unless you read the credits. Huh, no, I'm surprised. He's got pick up on that stuff. Oh yeah, but no, like like I said, I don't know. Like, I, when you think about like directors who I'd want for an Obi Wan film, like now that I think about it, and I think this is very telling. I think this was the film that uh, Josh Trank was going to do. And the reason why I feel that this was going to be Josh Trank's film was that Josh Trank is really good with characters that are loners and characters that feel disenfranchised from society. And that's exactly what Obi-Wan would be in this. He'd be a loner who's removed from society. Not by choice. Well, the only thing that'd be interesting though is that he would be removed from society because A, nobody wants anything to do with the Jedi anymore. And then B, he has to be removed for the sake of protecting Luke. So, and I think that's where you would, he'd make sense for this. And I think that, would, again, if Josh Trank didn't have a, a meltdown with Fantastic Four, I think he would have been an interesting choice for this. But but given that uh, we're never going to see the Josh Trank Star Wars standalone film, that's, that's one of those projects that, uh, outside of that, would you claim, Darren, that they had a, uh, a test reel from that, kind of like what they did with Rogue One and Celebration that's, 2015. That, it's never been confirmed, but that's been the rumor. That they oh, had I, bet, I bet they had that. I, I bet they had that. Yeah, I'd be surprised. But I don't think it was Obi-Wan, but you made a good point. But The way I felt is they've heard all this, we don't need a Han Solo and all this backlash. And they said, let's give something. Let's get the fans on board with something they've been craving for. Because every time Ewan McGregor is on something, he gets asked about it. And then the internet blows up when he's asked about it. So I uh, kind of felt like they were pandering to us, like, okay, here's the here's the movie y'all been asking for, which I hope that's not the reason. I hope that's not why they're making movies. I agree, Darren. That you know, it's not they should you know do this kind of thing where like they're making movies only based on ideas from the fan base because you know that's just that's not ex- you know that's not um there's, there'd be no surprise from there and 
you know, that also comes into this whole thing about what's called fan casting, but right. we won't get into that. Um, uh, who brought, whose idea was it for Rogue One? Do you know where the, who, where that started? I've read uh, it before, I can't That was remember. John Knoll. John Knoll, the ILM guy. And yeah. he apparently, the story is, or at least the PR story is, is that he, wa- right after the Lucasfilm acquisition by Disney, he walked into... Kathleen Candy and says, hey, I have this really nifty idea for a standalone film. And he says, what would it be if it was how the Rebels captured the planets of the Death Star? And I, I don't know how far he got along with that. He probably had a very rough, probably five-minute idea. But it, it's always been the story that this was his brainchild. And it must have been somewhat true, or at, le- or at least somewhat, because he does get a uh, story credit on the film. He gets a, a story by credit really. in the credit. So there, the fact that the Writers Guild got involved with that leads – or not got involved, but they signed off on it leads me to believe that there is some truth to that. Yeah. You don't think uh, – I thought I read somewhere that uh, John Noe had this idea from George Lucas or he discussed it with him or something like I that. I think he pitched oh, it to Lucas that. first. Yeah, I think oh, yeah. – there were a few and I think – Lawrence Kasdan, I think he's been pitching a Han Solo movie for years, and Lucas wasn't. Lucas wasn't budging with any spinoff movies at the time. Well, I bet there's a lot of people pitching. Uh, I remember, I remember you probably remember this, Darren, more than Mark does. Joe Johnston had been right. pitching Lucas on a Boba Fett film for the last twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Now I think that at least makes sense, considering that Joe Johnston helped develop the character. I think anybody's entitled to that character. I mean, I agree with you, but that's why. That's why. Lawrence Kasdan makes sense. That's why I got a fate in Han, Han Solo movie because Lawrence Kasdan knows Han Solo. He created the Han that we all fell in love with. So if anybody, if somebody else was writing Han Solo, I might be a little bit more worried. Well, the problem with that though is that part of the reason why we like Han Solo is that he is the he's he's the space cowboy. Right. The more and more you know about the again, you, you know from spaghetti westerns. The more and more you know about the the character, the less interesting it gets. Yeah, that's why I'd rather just have a Han Solo than a, I don't want to origin a Han Solo, but I'm sure that's what we're going to get. At least, I <laughs> remember when it came out that Han Solo wasn't going to be his name, and I, oh, I remember screaming on Twitter about it. That's not what he meant. If you just read what he says. Well, that, was, I, that, yeah, that was Bob Iger. Remember name. that. We're going to learn how he got his, his name. Yeah, and everybody took it. I mean, you could kind of tell what he was going for, but everybody was taking it the wrong way. And I was like, oh, sometimes Darren, Twitter just blows my mind. Me- are you telling me the internet interpreted something literally and then proceeded to overreact over it? It's shocking, but yeah. That does happened. not sound like the internet, especially Twitter. Uh, I just I think I screamed for two weeks every day, replied to every comment. That's not what he means. Okay, so that's, I think that's a problem, though. Like, like I, I do not envy Lucasfilm in some instances. And like Mark said, I don't think that they are gauging what the fans want because the fans are so all are just so freaking all over the place they don't know what they want like as darren's always kind of screaming into the into the void with you have one half the fan base goes yay new aliens you have the other half the audience that goes boo i want the old aliens and and that's and that's what it is you're never going to make any i think at this point star wars fans love complaining about not hating star wars they love complaining about it, which I think I am. I am partially in that camp. I also, I think it's worth noting too, is that we also do a Star Wars talk show in the sense that we are discussing Star Wars. If I just sat there, so you know what? I like all of it. 
give me all of it on one big plate. It wouldn't be that interesting. You gotta give some pushback just for the sake of, of conversation. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's just like I said, I'm not as grumpy as I sound. Like I guess Darren knows. There's too many <laughs> Star Wars action figures on my dresser for me to be that grumpy about this. All right, you're just passionate. Exactly. It's fun being a contrarian. But no, but I guess I I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of a director I'd want for an Obi Wan film. But the problem is that I've got some breaking news if you want it. What do you want? I got some breaking news if you want it. Uh oh, what's going on? (laughs) Variety has said that uh, also in development is rumored a Job of the Hut movie. And this is on Variety.com. I'm not making it up. Is it really? All right. All right. Put, it, put it in the, uh, in the chat. I'm going to send it in the link. But it says some other standalones in develop include Job of the Hut story and a Boba Fett movie. But I don't know if they're just trying to. You know, another report from Screen. Did y'all see the other report that came out and said there was a. Because it seemed like Hollywood Reporter got that scoop in. Everybody else wanted to add their little tidbits on it, too. Screen Rant says Boba Fett and Yoda's in the works. Well, yeah, or considered, but considered. I think everything. I think everything's considered. I don't trust Screen Rant. No, no, they, no. Just, they said that. They said that in the original story. They said there was a Boba Fett and a Yoda film in the works. Yeah, I mean, I think it says considered, but uh, what's that mean? Somebody at a table mentioned it. They say, "What should we do?" And somebody said, "Yoda." I mean, everything's probably considered. I'm, in some I'm, way. I'm, I don't know how I spell about a Jabba the Hutt movie. I don't want to see Jabba the Hutt in high school. Are we getting Jabba in the? Um... I'm sure we will. I'll be very. No, we're we're fine. we're getting Jabba the Hutt in a in baby form like that. Oh no! In the Clone oh, Wars. God no! When I end up just putting a gun in my mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah, Zach, was that your favorite character from the Clone oh, Wars? I don't know what's worth of that. Uh, uh, that drag queen one. Yeah, that drag Rode. queen. How's that drag queen? Ooh, we should. See, hey, we could see a movie with them, like in like yeah, you know, all of them like doing family. something. How would you even do a Jabba the Hutt movie where he's the main star? I don't think he'd be the main star, though. <laughs> I don't either. I mean, I can see him in a Boba Fett movie where he sends them out. To yeah, I, I, I can yeah. him being the star of the movie. I remember a few months, a year, maybe even a couple of years, like two years or so, there was an article. There, there's something about one, some, um, and this is what I hear about today's, uh, you know, clickbait uh, geek culture uh, sites is that. Somebody says an idea, like, um, this, this one guy, he, he just, he, I mean, he was just, like, saying an idea, like, you know, he wanted to see, like, some, like, Jabba the Hutt movie, like, in a gangster-style type of setting, and then you see, like, 50, 100, you know, clickbait sites, you know, putting out the same thing, the same quotes, like, you know, so-and-so wants to, you know, wants a gangster job, uh, right. good Jabba the Hutt movie, it's like, Jesus. That's why. That's kind of like this, this variety, uh, Vanity Fair, Vanity yeah. Fair article. They saw, you know, uh, Hollywood Reporter said something, so they, I guess they got to get their clickbait in too and say, hey, we heard it also. And then Screen Rant had to, you know, throw their Yoda in. So everybody had to jump on it. So they weren't yeah. done by everybody else. All right. So anything else you want to add to this? Uh, what about you and McGregor? I know it says he's not signed. What's the chance you think he's going to be in it? Well, I think it's ninety nine point nine. Yeah, I, I don't think they, yeah. I think that's the first person they talk to is like, "Are you on board if if you like the story?" Sure, they wouldn't even yeah, done he, it. Right, he's definitely expressed interest, and you know, it makes it sound like if it's if the opportunities there that came up to me, I'm gonna sign on. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the attitude I'm getting from him. Yeah, there's I'm no. Sure. Get him, yeah. they wouldn't even uh went with it. But I tweeted out, what if it's a young hung, uh Obi-Wan 
story trying to be funny and you wouldn't believe all the replies i got people say oh man that would be awesome i would love to see a young <laughs> movie of obi-wan i, I think because um obi-wan um ewan mcgregor he hasn't i mean it's been what 10 plus years um since revenge of the sith i think he can still pull off the look of a young man and well uh, yeah but i on my tweet i said well he's about 13 oh and no. people was actually enjoying like i wasn't trying to be i was trying to joke around and people were like man i would love to see that how he became a padawan i was just surprised at the people that actually took me serious and well, strange things happen and uh but um yeah no i think um he he, he would immediately jump on board yeah i'm so. sure he would like i said i don't think i don't think they would even do obi-wan without talking to him i'm sure they there would ha there would have to be like something that that happened to him um yeah you know, there's some you know some unlikely event and some very extenuating circumstance for him not to sign on um i don't know he commits a crime or something and you know he, he's in real trouble with the law and you know, yeah unless that. the script just really horrible which i you know be hard to believe but. yeah would they uh, would they uh, have a script yet if they hired a director nah. Nah, early early developments. They probably have an outline. And that's it. Yeah, okay. yeah. Because the director usually works on the helps them with the. I think they'll treat it with care. I mean, um, you know, Obi Wan's one is a character that that um, is very uh, you know beloved in the uh, fan base. You know, they they see him as the uh, you know as the mentor. Um, they you know, they liked him, and you know, a lot of people liked him in the prequels. You know, even you know some of the you know prequel haters they. They yeah, liked he was him one there. of the best. He was one of the best parts, at least actor-wise. Right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I can't really find anyone. And you know. we need an Obi Wan movie because he's Ray's father. There we go. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess y'all not find the Kenobi Ray theory. Nah, 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 no, he's Snoke. There. Actually, he's Snoke. Oh, he's Snoke. We're all he's Snoke. All, that's what I hope. Hope at the end, you know, they're all. Everybody in the universe has got a Snoke face. And, What's what's the deal with Snoke? We might have to cut this out if you don't want to go into it. What's the deal with Snoke's uh, golden robe? That's his look. Yeah, that is his. That's like a his, bath uh, robe. That's his true look. I mean, you can kind of see it though, like in the hologram of um, you know, in the Force Awakens. Right, we didn't get any color. It just the toys make it look like he's wearing a bathrobe. I'm hoping in the film it looks a little. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that you have to see in action in order to get a full idea of of the of how it looks, kind of thing. You know, it, I mean, it's kind of like the uh, the, the cross guard uh, lightsaber that Kylo Ren had. Uh, that everybody hated almost. It seemed like when he saw it in the trailer, yeah, people, and then everybody people, loved it. Yeah, people thought it looked, it was like that's so weird. And then you know, you see it in action, and then you know. It changed your mind. Yeah, I remember people on Twitter debating me on if it would work if you had a cross or a cross blade like that. And I was I just insist, and you know, it's people like Zach that analyze the Force Awakens hey, so much they can't I was like perfectly, it. I was perfectly fine with that lightsaber. I knew people were going nuts over that. And I'm like, they it's were. a Star Wars movie. Calm down. Uh, they were, I was like, you got to do something different. I mean, uh, I. I I think they put it out early so that you know they can get people used to the idea that there's going to be this type of lightsaber in the movie uh, over a year from now. I'm talking about when they first release the trailer, the the, the first teaser. I mean, yeah, they got to get the you, they got to get the people used to you know uh, certain th new things in there. So they put it out. It's all the same thing with Ray being cast. You know, a lot of females like, well, we've had it only made sense to do something different for the Force Awakens. Although Zach didn't like it. 
You know, they were probably upset that Ray would. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, um, and now I, they do another movie with a female lead. Then you're like, British okay. brunettes. <laughs> Enough British brunettes. I think that by the end of this trilogy, the sequel trilogy, the fan base will be, re- you know, reevaluating all the films, you know, to see how they hold up, you know, years from now. So, you know, who knows? I mean, we'll see how The Force Awakens holds up in a couple years, you know, and, uh, you know, we have to see how everything holds up, you know, juxtaposed with, you know, its other uh, complimentary films. And, um, well, I don't know. The only thing about that is that you can kind of look how the fans are going to respond to these films the same way that, like, how the Marvel films, like, like, Back during the spring of 2014, like everybody was going completely gaga over the Winter Soldier, and it was like, "Oh my God, this is like Marvel's just knocking it out of the park." Marvel's doing this. This is the best Marvel film. Uh, it's like, folks, we had the Avengers less than two years ago. It's like, calm down. This was not better than the Avengers. Oh, I don't think it could be better than that. I know you don't like the Avengers. I know you don't like uh, that. <laughs> but I'm just trying to say though, it's like, it's like, 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 I know, like, I get it. Like, the Avengers and the Winter Soldier are two completely different movies in that they're going for something completely separate. And then it's like, okay, so you have, like, this, inco- like, you have, so 2012, you have the Avengers, which everyone thinks is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Then you have Winter Soldier, everyone's losing their minds over that. And then what? Four months later, you have Guardians of the Galaxy, and the exact same people that were proclaiming the Winter Soldier, the greatest comic book film in comic book film history, are saying, oh, no, 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 it's Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think that's what's going to be. You're going to have. I think the Star Wars fan base, it's it's one of the, like these things where it's just a never. It's kind of like the um, Lucy and Ethel in the Chocolate Factory. It's just there's so much of it just coming off the assembly line. It's it's just gonna be this never ending job, just keeping up with it. Where every single one's gonna be the greatest thing since sliced bread. Every single one. Like, and I think right. that's what's gonna be. It's gonna be either that where every movie's the greatest one ever made. Or you're going to have ebbs and flows where it's going to be, oh, certain ones are just liked better. Like, I, I don't know. I think The Last Jedi it is the only, I guess I have faith in The Last Jedi. I'm not that um, pessimistic about it. I think The Last Jedi is going to do something completely out of left field. Cough, Ray turns to the dark side, cough. I think we are going to get something really just out of nowhere that's really gonna make people look at this like think about it, after everything we went through two years ago with ray it's like the character ray is the role model my daughter deserves and it's like well <laughs> as a parent shouldn't you be the role model that your child deserves like it's like we won't talk about that right in raising your child that they use fictional characters as their sole means of who to look to in this world but it's just imagine if they take all those people that like proclaim this, then they may at the end of the film, you have Ray become the bad guy. It's like, oh my god, that would just blow everyone's minds. Like that would be like more of a left turn than killing off all your main characters in Rogue One. We would walk out of the theater, and that would genuinely be a Darth Vader's Luke Scott Luke's father sort of plot twist because it would that, be so out of left field. That's about the only thing that would shock me, and I just can't see Disney doing it, but. I, I thought would, they would. I would be impressed if they did do it. Well, I said, okay, we're getting really off topic here, and then we kind of have to. Yeah, don't we always do that? Yeah, but <laughs> our last episode was the EW Last Jedi articles, and I think we spent about three minutes out of an hour and a half talking about it. 
but no, it's like I, I was reading, I was watching a video, and someone was trying to like do a breakdown of what the plot of the Last Jedi should be, considering the fact that like we literally know nothing about the plot of that movie. Like after like the, I guess after the first act, we know there's an attack on the Resistance, and that's more or less it. And we know something something goes on with Octo and Ray and Luke, but someone had like boiled down the plots of the original trilogy with the prequel trilogy. Someone says, oh. The ultimate plot of the prequel trilogy is resist temptation. No, Anakin cannot resist temptation, and that's the whole plot of those three films, his descent into the dark side. Then the plot of the original trilogy is can Luke resist temptation, which he does, and he succeeds at that. So what would the obvious plot for the sequel trilogy be? Can Rey resist the temptation of the dark side? And considering that everything in Star Wars can be boiled down to the infamous infamous George Lucas quote of it's like poetry, it rhymes. Are you referring to this one article that came out about like how you can predict the plot? I mean, it was a uh, video. It was a video I watched. I don't know if there was an article. I saw an article. I didn't I didn't actually click on the article. I was like, this is clickbait. I'm not, I'm not reading this. But. Well! <laughs> Mark will not be fooled. <laughs> uh, no offense. No offense. I, I just didn't. I, I, just, I mean, I saw it like floating around on some like Star Wars fan sites. I mean, Fan uh, Star Wars fan uh, groups on Facebook, and um, I was like, uh, um, "This is like a little clickbaitish. I'm I'm not gonna spend time." Well, but, but anyways, well, what did you well, say though? Well, it's articles like that. Like I don't mind a good editorial where it's like someone goes in there trying to shed light on something, not because I'm gonna take it as gospel, but it, if it makes a compelling point, you gotta at least argue with it, or at least try to figure out reasons why it's either right or wrong. And I think that is a valid point. Where the thing about the the broad stroke of the two trilogies is is the the failure of Anakin Skywalker and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker by Luke. And so you think about okay, so you think about that because again, the, the prequel trilogy made Darth Vader into Space Jesus. So you have to look at it from that sense. So it's like okay, considering Ray is our protagonist now, because it, it's very obvious that Poe is kind of getting sidelined and Finn's going off into another direction. So it's you have to look at it that way, and I think that is going to be something because they are the whole fact that 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 behind the scenes thing it was we call it oh new new choices it's or not new choices it's like it's a like new stories no one's going to no one's going to expect this in that video that Mark was making fun of the guy does reference in that video there is a clip of they're interviewing Daisy Ridley. And they add, whoever the interviewer is says, When you guys read the script, were there some big surprises in there even for you? Yeah. I went to Ryan's office and I was like, we need to have a talk about what's happening here. But I, I, I think we are going to get something really. I think either we get Ray turns to the dark side or Kylo Ren turns to the light. And I think they're going to have a really hard time doing that if. Considering the fact that he killed. Han, it's amazing how in the Star Wars fan base, the killing of Han Solo really didn't. Hit as hard as you'd think. Everyone just kind of accepted it. There really well, wasn't we any knew. sort of. And that's why. Everybody... Well, like, well, I don't even mean it like that. Like it was a surprise. I'm not even talking about that. But you'd think there'd be a lot more people that would hate Kylo Ren because he killed Han Solo. Right. I think. You, I, you'd think there'd be more like like this like people like oh that like, I don't mean like hate him like like hate him like I will go see the next film because of him. I mean I just like hate the character because it's how dastardly evil he was. Right. I, I, That's what I mean, maybe, 
Well, maybe it's cause it was a good, I know you don't agree, a good story. And people saw that he was torn between the light side and the dark side. And they kind of felt sorry for him more than hated, hated him for what he did. He killed Han Solo. What redemption is there for that? Oh, I don't want him to be redempted. I think we already seen that storyline played out too much. And I, I, and if you kill Han Solo, you don't get to come back. <laughs> but, I mean, Anakin can kill kids and he can come back, but. Oh, please don't let Kylo's come back. Kylo Ren Force Ghost. <laughs> yeah, don't let him come back to life. I don't want to see him redeemed or anything, but I guess I've got to do something. Somebody's got to be on the edge of turning somewhere. I mean, you can't just do three movies about them trying to fight Snoke. It's got to be. So concludes this episode of the Star Wars Junk Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Star Wars Junk and at SW Junk Podcast and at StarWarsJunk.net. As always, please rate and review us on iTunes. Make sure to check out SkywardFunSupply.com for all your toy needs. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, to make we haven't gotten any snide remarks yet, especially after that Forces of Destiny episode. Contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at RogueKnight, K-N-I-T-E. Where can people find you guys? You can find me on Twitter at at SW Megafan. That's S W M E G A F A N. Everybody knows StarWarsJunk.net. You can find every. You can find all my Twitter on there. Join us next week or until <laughs> decides to shut us down. Mm, no. All right, everybody. Have a good night. Okay. Bye. bye. Good night.